so very impactful day for the NBA and uh I'm very surprised these playoffs are very very intriguing to watch um and I am seeing teams rally up against all odds you know in, in both of the games that went on today you know everything that these teams have gone through to even get to this point it's just absolutely amazing you know between Denver being down 3-1 in the first round and then winning four straight to come back into the to come back into those games and get to the second round just to face the Clippers is just absolutely amazing um and overall it's just an amazing story and you know the raptors had it easy they swept their opponents the first round and they got to the second round and they faced a triple-headed monster in the boston celtics being down 2-0 and winning the last two games and tying it up 2-2 both these series can go either way we're going to start off with the nuggets first and I was very, very, you know, skeptical of what was going to happen. Because game one, this series, Denver was absolutely gassed. You know, like I said, coming back from a 3-1 down in the first round. And then come back, win the series in seven. And then get to the second round, not even 48 hours apart from winning that game seven they go and face the number two seeded Clippers in a matchup that is very, very not in their favor. Um, And they're just absolutely gassed. I mean, they get absolutely blown out. Uh, Their shooting as the game went on between the second and fourth quarter was absolutely just abysmal. Um, They couldn't get anything going. They all looked very fatigued. uh, And it just looked like that Game 7, or really that whole series in general, just really took a toll on them. Um, They did not look ready. Uh, By the end of the first quarter, everybody was just absolutely gassed. They just could not do anything. And it just seemed like, you know, they were giving up. Which at one point, they really just did. Um, You know, late late in the game, they basically just took out all the star players and just put in the bench players. And the coach is just like, regroup, you know, worry about Game 2. Um, and oh boy, did, did they worry about it? Um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's turned around on the Clippers, you know, the Clippers winning game one in a landslide and then coming game two, everything that was adhering the Nuggets was now, you know, the Clippers demise because in game two, everything just went downhill. Shooting was terrible in the first half. They were getting outscored over 23 points they were down 23 points uh, by the end of the first quarter and by halftime they were only down 14 so like the fact that they bounced back that much was surprising to me especially on how Kawhi was playing and props to the Denver you know to the team I mean these guys are young you know you know Jeremy Grant and you got Gary Harris 
all those all those boys, these guys are just doing an amazing job just defending Kawhi Leonard. They're not letting him get open. They're not letting him have one-on-ones. You know, they're preventing him from running pick and rolls. They're really just not allowing Kawhi any space. They're forcing him to take contested shots, which you, you're okay with taking contested shots. If you're Denver, you want Kawhi to take those shots because you don't want to make him just get easy points. You know, and Denver was lucky because they fouled Kawhi Leonard a lot, and Kawhi was struggling so badly. He could barely even make free throws. Um, <laughs> he shot you know, four for 17 through the field. He only shot 30% the entire game, and that was just ridiculous. That's, you know, coming from, you know, the reigning defending NBA champion finals MVP, you know, to go into a game two where in the previous series you averaged 32 points per game. In game one against the Nuggets, you got 29, and then you come back in game two and you only score 15 points. You know, on on 4 of 17. That's just absolutely, you know, crazy. You know, to go from being a star to just being nothing in one game. That's just crazy. We all know that Kawhi Leonard is a stud. We all know that he ain't going to play like that for the rest of the series. He's going to turn up again. You know, it's just props to the Denver team for really putting good defense on them. Um, You know, in all honesty, Jokic, you know, really was the main factor in Denver winning this game. You know, Jokic being a very tall center, he's not really known for defense, but, you know, he really showed up. You know, he was being great at the rim, and he was also helping Jamal Murray a lot because in game one, Jamal Murray, he was just gassed. I mean, it's Jamal Murray. You're talking about a guy who, I mean, you really have no way of saying that he was not, you know, exhausted. You know, in in the series against Utah, being down 3-1 in games four, five, actually, no, sorry, in games five, six, and seven, he put up 50, 48, and 50. (laughs) 50, 48, and 50. He outscored the entire Utah um, starting lineup in those three games. He outscored the entire Utah Jazz starting lineup. And that was just absolutely crazy. He doubled the amount of points that they earned. Um to go into that series and drop two 50-point games and lead your team to the win and then, you know, expect to play like that a mere 48 hours later from another from the previous 50-point game, that game seven where he scored 50. Like, you can't expect for him to play like that, you know, every single time. It's, it's just impossible, you know. All these guys that are playing in the NBA, they've been training their entire lives. And there's not one person, you know, in the NBA that I can think of that can drop 50 points every game, you know, consistently. You know, James Harden did it one time in his career. He he did it for a stretch, but eventually his body gave out and he couldn't do it anymore. But he still could drop 50. Just, just yeah, he hasn't been on a hot streak lately, but different series. Back to Denver, um, you know, the, the one thing that really a lot of people don't realize is that Jokic gets criticized for his defense a lot, but being able to block five shots in that game, 
on top of that, still getting, he actually got a quadruple double, to be really honest. He had, you know, he had almost 30 points. He had double digit assists and rebounds. He had a quadruple double, almost a quadruple double. If he had gotten more blocks, like, you know, and, and to really put this into perspective, you know, in the, in the, in game one, Jamal Murray and Jokic only combined for 27 points. That's the lowest that they've had all year playing, including the regular season. And the fact that, you know, they only lost by 20 points, you know, playing like that was kind of ridiculous. You know, I would imagine that it, they would have lost by even more than 20, um, and then they bounce back in, in game two. First quarter, the whole team was shooting 71%. They were absolutely killing them, uh, the Clippers from the three-point line, which in the previous game, the Clippers were doing the exact same thing. They were killing Denver from the three-point line. Everything that was you know adhering Denver in the first game was adhering uh, the Clippers the second game. The Clippers were gassed up. They completely just could not hit any shots. Um the defense on Kawhi Leonard was just way too strong. He could not just blow past people anymore. And he was forced to take contested shots, and he wasn't making them. And every single time he would not make those shots, um, Denver, the one thing that they were doing in Game 2 that they were not doing in Game 1 was being really good in transition, being able to uh, spread the floor and be able to get across and not give the Clippers enough time to reset their defense. Because every single time, they missed a shot. The Clippers were just very bad in transition. There were always opportunities to where it would be a five-on-four or a five-on-three where you would have a couple of guys lingering on the other side of the court because they're just so exhausted. They couldn't do anything. Um, and they would just make really easy buckets at the other end. And that was something that Denver was struggling with in game one. It was the opposite for them because they couldn't keep up with the pace that the Clippers were doing. Um, and that was the one main reason why they dominated in the paint this game. Um, and for the amount of times that they fouled Kawhi Leonard, you know, I'm surprised that Kawhi Leonard didn't drop 20 points just off of free throws. Um, he, he missed quite a lot of free throws. Um, you know, and, and Jokic playing how he played in game two is the key for them to win this series. In you know, in game one, Jokic was not really trying to dominate the paint as much as you should. He was taking a little too many threes. He wasn't making them. Um, he made some, you know, decent perimeter shots. He does have height on most players, so he does have height advantage. But if he's not making shots, you know, there's no point in shooting. You really just got to take your time. And Jokic in this game really helped out Jamal Murray, and not even just Jamal Murray, but any other person on the team that's capable of making a three-point shot. You know, Jokic is, you know, one of the very, the most versatile center in the NBA. He can pass, he can shoot, he can defend, you know, he can catch you, you know, slacking on defense. If you are not guarding him properly, he can blow past you. He can beat you in transition. He can run pick and rolls. He can do anything you ask him to do. And that's why I think Jokic is just very underrated and definitely deserved that all-NBA selection this year. Really, really deserves it. Um, and he's just a great partner for Jamal Murray. Um, and, you know, being able to dominate the paint and draw the double team really was helping the three-point shooting out 
um, you know, this every single time, Jam- uh, you know, Jokic had the ball, they would always run a certain play where he would try to draw a double team, the weak side defender uh, that is sitting on the under of the rim, either on the right or the left side. Uh, normally, in the series, uh, the one person that was guarding him would be the Clippers center, Zubats. Uh, he would guard them, and he's a ver- very undersized compared to Jokic, so Jokic has that mismatch. But what, what Jokic would always do is draw that double team and make Kawhi or Paul George, either one of them, because those are the other two best defenders they have. Uh, one of those two would try to draw um, the double team, and every single time they would do that, Jokic would just completely fling the ball over their heads across the court and get it to somebody out on that open line. And that's just what Jokic is just so good at doing, being able to draw the double team and get the weak side defender to guard him so that way it just frees up a wide open lane for a layup or somebody to take a wide open three. And the Clippers fell for this, you know, almost every single you know, possession. Uh, they really didn't know uh, how to counter this um, because the Dem- Denver didn't, you know, do this in game one. You know, as a matter of fact, Denver, you know, played like less than half of what they are capable of doing in game one. Um, you know, and, and I said this to multiple people, uh, you know, people were telling me Denver has no chance. Clippers are a whole other animal compared to Utah. And, you know, I wonder what I said to people. I said, trust me, they're tired. Just wait until they, just wait until, you know, they rest up. Just, just wait. They're going to start heating up. And they did. Um, you know, and it was kind of surprising to me that Denver still ended up winning game two. Um, you know, because by halftime, the Clippers were down 14. And by the end of the first quarter, they were down 23. Uh, which was by far the biggest lead that Denver has had at all in this series. Actually, as a matter of fact, I don't even think Denver even led at all, uh, you know, in game one, you know, besides maybe like the first two minutes, you know. But other than that, they didn't, I don't think they had the lead at all in game one after they lost that lead in the first quarter. I think it was just all Clippers at that point. Um, And... In the second half, you know, compared to the first half, you know, Jokic and Murray combined for 42 points in the first half. Uh, so, you know, around 20 points each. That was just amazing for them to be able to do that. And they were both on pace to get at least 40 points, maybe, you know, if they had a good second half. And unfortunately, they didn't really. Um, in the second half, um, they didn't really shoot the ball very well. Jokic actually in the first half took four threes and made all of them. And in the second half, he only took one three and missed it. Um, I really do feel like Jokic should have took more threes. Uh, you know, if you're hot on the three point line, keep taking those threes. Cause you know, that's just a sign that you're going to have a really good game. And especially for the way on how they were defending, um, they really were getting many opportunities in transition to get those threes. Um, you know, the the rim protection in this game was just absolutely incredible, you know, compared to game one. Uh, they really just had no stop for Kawhi. Uh, Kawhi was just, you know, able to take any single shot he wanted. Same with Paul George. They, they were able to take any shot they wanted, no matter what, in game one. Game two was the complete opposite. You know, with Jokic with five blocks, you had Gary Harris, uh, 
guarding Kawhi Leonard for most of the match and being right on on 24-7. And even when he did make shots, Gary Harris didn't make it easy for him. He really had to make Kawhi Leonard work for those shots. And I think that's the number one key to beating this Clippers team is you really got to put bodies on Kawhi. Um, you know, the more exhausted Kawhi is, the more of, you know, a chance that he'll start choking and he'll just start chucking shots and missing shots because he's going to be exhausted. He's not going to be able to focus. Um, and that's why I really think Paul George is important in this series because if Paul George doesn't keep playing uh, well, you know, at least well enough, he's not really playing well at the moment, actually. He's kind of struggled in game two. Same with Kawhi, even though he had more points. Uh, and he definitely was much better on defense and he was much better uh, pretty much everywhere else, you know, than what Kawhi was doing in game two. Um, if Paul George doesn't keep playing, you know, how he should be, the Clippers don't have a chance. They really need both of them firing on all cylinders. And it's not even just Paul George and Kawhi that really need to go off. It's everybody. I mean, when you look at the Clippers team, they're very deep, you know, with Lou Williams being a three times six man of the year, not even a starter, you know, at one point averaging 25 points per game. And this was when Kawhi and Paul George were not even with the Clippers. This was last, this was last season. Um, you know, and, and same thing with Montrez Harrell, you know, he averaged 19 points, you know, per game last season. And he was a starter, uh, Patrick Beverly, they still have Patrick Beverly, you know, being a really good perimeter defender he is. Uh, he kind of struggled in game two. Game one, he really went off, and that was his first game coming back in a little while. He was injured for most of games uh, for the first series against Dallas. Uh, he was injured. He wasn't really uh, doing anything. Um, actually, well, he didn't really play at all. Uh, he came, came back in game one, had a really good game. They are restricting his minutes, though. Because um, they really don't want him to get injured. They really want to make sure he's healthy for the finals. Um, you know, and the only really thing I could see wrong with Patrick Beverly really going on at the moment is that he's just getting very, very agitated. Uh, he's getting very angry very easily. Um, and, you know, he actually got himself thrown out of the game. You know, with a minute left to go in the game, he just started going off on the coaches, and they just had enough of them. They just threw him out of the game. Um, you know, if Beverly keeps on having an attitude like that, he's if he gets thrown out early, you know, in any of these games, that's going to be a huge loss for the Clippers. That's really good perimeter defending that they're not going to have. Um, and he definitely will be missed. Uh, he could be really a huge difference maker when it comes to winning this series. Um, you know, but, you know, combined with the rim protection that Denver had and Jokic being able to draw the double teams and get Jamal Murray open and not even just get Jamal Murray open, but anybody who was capable of taking that three point shot, um, was just, you know, the key to winning this game. And I think at, as long as Jokic keeps doing what he's supposed to be doing, and that's really putting pressure on those guys to defend the paint um, and forcing them to double team him uh, in order to uh, prevent him from just getting easy buckets. Uh, Jokic can really just open up the floor for his teammates and really, uh, you know, put the Clippers on their heels. Um, you know, the keys to winning the series for Denver, they really need to keep on defending Kawhi like they did tonight. Um, if they keep on doing that, 
I really don't think why we'll have a chance. Um, you know, and this is coming from, you know, the defending champion and the reigning, you know, uh, finals MVP. You know, th- this is a guy that completely took a Raptors team last season that was not going to win the championship without him and just carried that team on his back um, and won that chip. And he's not even carrying the team on his back, you know, now because he has a great supporting cast, a very great defensive-minded head coach, um, you know, and I say defensive-minded when in game two, their defense was very bad. Um, Their defense was not as good as it was in game two, and it wasn't as good as, uh, you know, all year. Um, So the series is tied 1-1. The series really can go either way. Um, another really huge factor, you know, for Denver in order to pull through and win this series is uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, he really need, he needs to step up. He he did very well in game two. He made some really good clutch shots. Uh, he played very well on defense. He did guard Kawhi for a little bit, but I think Kawhi was a little too much for him, and they decided to switch off. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. He's only he's only in his second year. They didn't have him the first year because he was injured. He had to go through back surgery and rehab, and he came back this season. And for a good stretch of the season, especially in the bubble, he was averaging twenty points per game in the bubble for a good you know four to five game stretch, and that really gave Denver uh, the confidence that they were going to have their third score for the playoffs coming up. You know to go up against the Clippers. Um, and not even just the Clippers, but, you know, Utah in the first round, because they, they had no, you know, intentions of being able to face the Clippers in the first place, being down 3-1. Um, and Michael Porter Jr. did come in for game two. He really did uh, make a huge difference in the scoring. And as long as he keeps playing the way he's playing now, um, Denver really has a good chance at winning this. Um I'm putting a lot of praise on Denver, even though that I don't have confidence in them to actually win the championship. Uh, I personally don't think they're ready because even if they get past the Clippers and they make the upset, you know, the Rockets and the Lakers are still relevant. Um, They're still going up against each other right now. And, you know, either one of those matchups are very, very hard uh, to deal with, especially, um, especially both of them, really. I can't even say... You know, both of them have outstanding defense. Uh, their defense just absolutely outmatches Denver's by a long shot. Uh, you know, with the Lakers, when you're talking about um, the perimeter defending that they have, and and you know, Anthony Davis, who was a top three candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, when you have when you have those big men, you know, Javale, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard sitting in the paint. It's going to be really hard for uh, Jokic to really go off because sometimes they do like to run double big lineups, so they will have Anthony Davis and JaVale. And, you know, I think Jokic will be at a very big disadvantage uh, when he's got two bigs guarding him. And I know that he can probably, you know, defer the ball to someone else to take the three and draw the double team, but it's going to be a lot harder to do that with the Lakers because they have very good athleticism on that team compared to the Clippers. I mean, they do have, they do have Petra Beverly and they do have Paul George and Kawhi, but they're athletic, but they can't always get to the ball uh, when they want to. But, you know, when you got a guy like LeBron on the Lakers, 
that just has very good basketball IQ, and he just can predict where that ball is going to go. LeBron's going to go right after that ball. And let me tell you, once that ball gets in LeBron's hands, it's an easy bucket on the other side. You know, it's, it's an easy dunk on the other side. And overall, I think the Lakers would just be a very tough matchup uh, for Denver. And even the Rockets, too. I mean, the Rockets don't even have a traditional center. They're running small ball. But they have, you know, a very tough and greedy defense. Uh, you know, when you're talking with... You know, Robert Covington uh, being the elite defender that he is. Um, and James Harden, believe it or not, really being criticized for his defense. But, you know, over the over the course of, you know, the OKC series and even in game one of the Lakers series, he really put some really good defense out there. You know, he's been blocking some shots and you don't really expect that from James Harden. You know, he's been criticized for his defense for most of his career. And, you know, nobody really gives, you know, credit where credit is due, where he's not a bad defender by any means. He really can guard uh, the other team's best player. Um, you just really have to give him a chance. You know, it's, a lot of people just write him off and say he's only good at scoring. His defense is garbage, you know. But, you know, coming from a guy who pays attention to every little detail, you know, the fact that James Harden can steal the ball from you just by you not paying attention or you making a really, really bad mistake and dribbling the wrong way or doing something, he can always poke that ball free from you. That's enough to really scare um, perimeter shooters to be really careful with the ball when James Harden is guarding you because he's just got fast hands. He can really hand check you real quickly and get that ball, even though the hand checking is a foul, but he can get away with it most of the time. He really can get away with it. Um. You know, and, and speaking of fouls, you know, in, in game two of this series with Denver and the Clippers, I, you know, it, it is very controversial. I do see a lot of fouls being called um, that really didn't go the way that they were supposed to go. Uh, there were multiple times that, you know, I saw, um, you know, the Denver defense really getting away with, uh, you know, hard fouls, you know, between Paul George getting smacked in the face uh, slightly, not extremely aggressive, but it was still, you know, aggressive enough to the point to where you could get a flagrant foul um, for that to go unnoticed. And, you know, just the really rough and toughness of the defense that Denver was playing, you would imagine that uh, they would be getting some fouls, which they did. They did get called for some, but there were some fouls that really just flew under the radar. And that was one reason why I think, you know, the Clippers really fell apart in this game was because the frustration of them just not getting the calls. It really got to their head. It really made them feel like, you know, nothing that they could do was working. And it really just derailed their confidence, um, especially Patrick Beverly, which, you know, him getting ejected, you know, within a minute left in the game didn't really matter. They were going to lose anyway. But the fact that, you know, Patrick Beverly can show that he can get that angry real quickly, it just shows that, you know, his anger is going to really be a huge issue in this series because if he gets ejected, you know, early on into a game, that could really be the difference between them losing and them winning because that's one perimeter defender that they're not going to have for the game. And, you know, you can't ask Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to do it by themselves. You know, it's always a team effort. You know, no matter how good Kawhi is, he can't do it by himself. You know, he has to have some sort of help, even if it's for just one game. You know, that's enough to make a difference. Um, 
Um, and, you know, and Jamal Murray, you know, didn't even have a spectacular game. I mean, he had 27 points. Uh, he was 10 for 21 for the field. He shot, you know, 35%, which is not bad, but it definitely is not a good game by any means. But it was enough. Um you know, but personally, I think the X factor in this series is Jokic. Um, if Jokic keeps on playing the way that he played in game two, I don't see uh, the Clippers really getting out of this series with the dub. I really don't see them winning. Um, they really have to really have to focus on how to defend really Nikola Jokic because he's just so versatile that it's really hard to um, it's really hard to get an edge over him. Um, you know, he's not like your traditional big man, you know, where he goes into the paint and can, you know, and, uh, you really just thrives on those one-on-one post-up games, you know, sort of like, uh, sort of like, you know, an Anthony Davis or a Joel Embiid. He's not like that type of center. He's not a one-dimensional center. He is very versatile. He can do pretty much really whatever you want. And that's what really makes him hard to defend is that you don't know what he's going to do. Um, he's not very predictable. Um, on top of that, he does have some height advantage over Kawhi uh, and Paul George, but in Ka- that doesn't really matter because Kawhi Leonard has been known to uh, defend people twice his size. Well, not well, okay, over exaggerating, not twice his size, but you know what I mean. You know, when he does have a height disadvantage, he has shown to be able to just Superman power himself up and block shots. You know, shots that you wouldn't imagine somebody you know, that would be normal to make, you know, you'd have to be a freak of nature, you know, to make those blocks, and Kawhi Leonard has proven that time and time again that he can do it, um, you know, and overall, this series is going to really depend on um, if Jokic can draw the double team, if Jamal Murray can get open and get those shots, um, if they can keep on beating the Clippers out in transition, and not allow them to set their defense. Um, the Clippers really like to run a uh, a very perimeter style defense. They're not really they don't really uh, prioritize the paint, um, but you know they do make very good paint block shots. Um, but where I feel their defense is best is when um, they are creating a wall around their best player because that forces that player to throw the ball and either throw it, you know, to a teammate who, you know, to a teammate who may not even be wide open and they'll panic and they'll get the turnover and then run across uh, the court and get the score. You know, I feel like the Clippers defense really, really dominates, you know, on the perimeter. Um, When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you know, that's really the main factor there. Um, Those guys are you know, Kawhi Leonard, you know, a two-time defensive player of the year, and Paul George, not a defensive player of the year winner, but oh, but he's been top five in defensive uh, player, you know, voting for multiple seasons. Um, he is a well-capable defender. Um, you know, it's just, it's very unpredictable on what those two can do. Um, keys for the Denver Nuggets, they really need their bench to keep on scoring the way that they did in game two. They need Jokic to draw the double teams. They need Jamal Murray to get open. They need everybody, really, to get open. Um, and Jokic just really has to be that um, offensive center that he's supposed to be. 
Um, occasionally he will have to go work on defense. Um, but as long as, you know, Gary Harris and Jeremy Grant can hold down Kawhi Leonard, you know, you know, I'm okay with Paul, you know, if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm okay with Paul George taking a bunch of shots because Paul George, you know, is a stud, you know, he, he can carry a team by himself, but, um, you know, I would much rather want Paul George to take those shots than Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, the, the whole point of this is that you got to pick your poison, you know, because most of the people on the Clippers bench and the Clippers starting lineup can shoot. So you really got to pick your poison. Do you double team Kawhi Leonard and have Paul George and everybody else take the shots and take the chance that they make them? Or do you put Kawhi on the one-on-one and just try to defend everybody? Um, and that's really what the Denver Nuggets are really going to have to decide. Um, and, you know, going forward in this series, if they can, you know, really minimize, uh, if they can really minimize, you know, easy trips to the basket, you know, easy transition points, easy wide open threes and easy, you know, easy free throws. If they can really prevent those, I think uh, they really can win this series. Um and in terms of the Clippers, if they really want to, um, you know, get past Denver, um, they they really have to figure out how to guard Jamal Murray. They really got to make sure to uh, build a wall around him, sort of like how the Heat are building a wall around Giannis. Um, they need to be able to build a wall around him and force him to take contested shots. And for Jokic, they have to be able to uh, post him up and be able to pressure him to take shots, um, shots that he doesn't want to make. You have to force him to take the shots he don't want to make. Otherwise, you know, if he gets too comfortable, he'll just go into the paint and score, or he'll just draw the double team and then throw it to an open person for a three, you know, and they really just need to work on that perimeter defense. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, and again, you know, great coaching by both sides, you know, you know, Doug Marone is a great head coach uh, for Denver. He's led this young team, you know, above and beyond, you know, being down 3-1 in the first round and then coming here to at least have a chance to play the Clippers. Um, it's just amazing. Great job for him. Uh, you know, I wish him the best of luck. And Doc Rivers, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Surefire Hall of Famer. Um, definitely, 100% will be a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, he's not alone, but, you know, both these coaches are not alone. They have a great supportive staff too, to help other players with other needs. Um, they have, you know, a great culture for both sides. Both have a really good winning mentality. Um, Denver, I would say is the more younger team because they do have a little bit more development. That's why I feel like they're not ready for the chip yet because they still have a lot of player development left to go. They still have uh, more pieces that they need to win the chip. Um, but if they can beat the Clippers, um, it's going to be very tough for them to get through to the finals because they're going to have to go up either James Harden and Westbrook or they're going to have to go up LeBron and AD. And if you're Denver, you don't want to go up against either of them. So it's going to be a very tough matchup, and we'll see how that goes. Um, series is tied 1-1, so it's anybody's series at this point. And, you know, now we got to talk about, you know, the defending champions, the Raptors, you know, 
you know, being down 2-0 off the start in this round to the Celtics, uh, my first reaction is that I thought they were going to be done for. Um, you know, losing Kawhi Leonard uh, definitely was the big hit. Um, you know, just imagining, you know, they probably would win the championship again if Kawhi was there. You know, but things happen. Um, you know, believe it or not, really, they actually would have been able to keep Kawhi Leonard uh, if you know, the Raptors were willing enough to make a trade for Paul George because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were team were, were talking to each other, trying to team up with each other for a long time. Um, because believe it or not, uh, Kawhi Leonard originally got drafted by the Pacers back in 2012 or 2013. Can't remember when he got drafted, but he got drafted by the Pacers and Paul George got drafted to the Spurs and they ended up making a switch. Um, they ended up making a switch so Paul George ended up going to the Pacers, and Kawhi went to the Spurs, and both of them had very respectable careers, um, you know, in their respective teams. Uh, Paul George, you know, back in those uh, the 2010s, uh, you know, he was the leader of that Pacers team, and they made it very deep playoff runs, but, you know, LeBron, back when he was with the Heat, when the big three with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, he'd, he'd always be in their way, he'd always stop them, they were arch rivals, um, you know, and also, believe it or not, the Lakers head coach right now, Frank Vogel, he actually was the head coach for the Pacers back then. Um, and that's why he uh, has a very good defensive team for the Lakers right now. He is a very defensive-minded coach, and um, he showed that with the Pacers, although the Pacers team was a lot more greedier defense and their offense was not as good. So, you know, quite. <laughs> Paul George really had to carry the load on offense, uh, you know, most of the time on those Pacers teams. And that's why they really fell short because they didn't really have the offensive power compared to the Miami Heat, you know, back then. They were more of a defensive-minded team. And then, you know, in terms of Kawhi Leonard's side, uh, you know, he, you know, was drafted by a great team with a great organization, great coach. And, you know, he won a, ch he won a few championships, uh, well, he won a championship. Sorry, he didn't win multiple. He won a championship, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the Spurs. And he ended up winning finals MVP uh, there, too, which really reminds me, um, you know, you know, that's, you know, Kawhi Leonard's uh, legacy is really on the line for this season because winning the championship this year would mean that he would win three different championships for three different teams um, and win finals MVP um, and win finals MVP uh, will possibly win finals MVP for all three of those teams because he won a finals MVP back in his first championship with the Spurs. He won finals MVP and the championship with Toronto last season. And now he's on pace to win another championship and possibly another finals MVP. And that would mean that he would be the only person in NBA history to win three different championships for three different teams and win finals MVP for each championship for three different teams. And that would just be an amazing accomplishment. Um, would be, you know, he'd be the first to ever do it. Um, so this series is going to go head to head and looking forward to see, you know, what will happen in game three. Uh, really, in my opinion, depending on who takes game three, will really uh, set the tone for the rest of the series. Um, I personally think Denver has a really good chance of winning this series. Um, 
you know, that's my pick to win. But we'll see what happens there. Really just depends on, you know, purely Jokic. Jokic is just their X factor. And as long as he plays the way he played in game two, they should have no problem winning. Um, but now we talk, you know, Raptors and Celtics. Um, you know, breaking down really game by game, uh, the first two games, Boston really dominated, uh, you know, from the three-point line. They took double the amount of threes that the Raptors took in both of those games, made double the amount. Um, you know, many factors really led into them having a very slow start. For one, Pascal Siakam really wasn't playing like himself. Uh, he played with Kawhi last season in Toronto, and he did very well in the finals. Uh, and this year, he really did break out. Um you know, in the regular season, he really established himself as a top 10, maybe top 15 player. Um, and, you know, with the, you know, development of the rest of their core players uh, from that championship team developing with, you know, you got Kyle Lowry, who really um, uh, developed even more as a player. He was a star last season, but, and he struggled in the finals a little bit. He struggled a little bit in the finals, but I think, uh, he has come back uh, very quite nicely uh, this season. Um, and Fred Van Fleet, um, I'll just say this right now, very underrated. Um, you know, this guy was not a high draft pick at all. This guy was a lottery pick. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, I don't even think he even got drafted. I think he was undrafted. Uh, this guy is amazing. Uh, this guy really is a marksman uh, from the three-point line. Uh He's almost like a Steph Curry, but not not you know skill wise. Obviously, no no point guard is as good as Steph Curry. Uh, but in terms of his play style, he matches Steph Curry. Not skill wise though, because always Steph Curry will always be the better point guard. But in terms of skill, in terms of uh, you know play style wise, he matches a Steph Curry on their team and really likes to take those three balls and he gets open very easily, um, especially in games three and four. Uh, he really got open on those three-point lines, especially Kyle Lowry, too. All those guys are shooting threes. Um, Pascal Siakam really, unfortunately, is kind of not playing very well in this uh, in this series. He bounced back in Game 4. He had 24 points um, in Game 4, so he really bounced back. Um, and as long as he plays like that, I think the Raptors can really make an upset uh, because, you know, the the— the Boston Celtics were supposed to be the team to beat in the East. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be the Bucks, but we all know how the Bucks series is going right now. Um, so the next team to beat would be the Bucks. I mean, uh, the Boston Celtics, and they really, um, they're really struggling right now. Uh, the, the series is tied two zero, uh, two to two. They were up two zero, and they. I'm not gonna lie, they choked. They choked in th games three and four. They were both winnable games. They could have swept the Raptors. Um, you know, now, of course, I will say this. There is some controversy. There there were a bunch of controversial calls, um, calls that really actually, uh, really uh, were wrong. Um, you know, there were multiple cases of, you know, clearly you can see that there's contact, uh, you know, on the foul, and they just don't get the call, and it costs them points. It costs them uh, you know, timeouts because a coach will challenge it and then they don't get the call and they lose a timeout. You know, there's really in the NBA, um, you know, if you're 
you know, being a referee, if you're a veteran referee and you're blowing whistles, if you're blowing calls, uh, you know, in a playoff series, you know, where games are on the line and you make a bad call, that really, really hurts your reputation because that call can really be the difference between a team winning and losing. And, you know, I feel like, you know, you know, the, the referees, you know, the refs really need to crack down on blown calls. Um, they really need to review calls, you know, you know, even further. They do review plays uh, when it is very, very close to call. They will review plays, especially for plays that involve violence like flagrant fouls, you know, or any really anything, you know, above normal. They would review it because uh, it is very important in a seven game series. Um you know, and especially, especially in games, especially in game three, where the Toronto really took the charge and they really won that game. Um, there were plenty of times in the, in the third and fourth quarter where, you know, Raptors really shouldn't have gotten away with a lot of fouls. Um, they really were being very aggressive to the point to where it was kind of obvious that they were putting unnecessary contact and, you know, the refs really weren't, I guess, I, I can't really say that they weren't paying attention, because they probably were paying attention, but they were slacking a little bit. Um, there were times that, you know, some Boston players, you know, you know, would go for the jump shot, and, you know, obviously, they would take a shot to the face, and it's just so minimal that the refs just wouldn't look at it, even when it's on the even when, you know, they review it, not even review it, when they just play it back on a replay, you can clearly see there's contact, but they don't review the call. Um, you know, and that really just got, you know, players pissed off. It really caught, and it caused some players to get thrown out because they would get ejected, you know, just being on sports, just being really unsportsmanlike. Um, you know, and, uh, it's not really, it's not uncommon that people will get in foul trouble, you know, over frustration. It really is not, especially in today's NBA. Um, you know, in today's NBA, it's very hard to not foul somebody when you're shooting, you know, because in, you know, the, the NBA and fouls, they're not the same, you know, uh, you know, uh, like really, you know, the fouls are not, you know, as easy to avoid um, as they were many, you know, long years ago. Um, you know, the first really rule to protect shooters was back in 2017, where Kawhi was taking a jump shot in uh, the series against the Warriors and Pachulia. Uh, you know, they call it the Pachulia rule, where you know, when a player is in the middle of a shooting stance and they are up in the air and they're shooting the ball, a player cannot land or be or have their feet or their body in their landing zone. And what that means is that when the player is coming down, you know, your foot can't be, uh, you know, touching the other player's foot when they come down or your leg is in between their legs or whatever because that causes the player to trip and fall or do something. And people were getting hurt. Um, you know, people were hurting their ankles because of that. So they made that rule to protect shooters, you know, while shooting. They've made it to protect shooters. And it's very hard to not foul uh, in those situations because, you know, it's very easy to draw contact, even though that you really didn't touch him. Uh, it's very easy to just have a part of your body just, you know, be a little too close without touching them and you'd get the foul. 
Um, and I, you know, there were many of those type of blown calls in the Boston uh, series, in this series right now, there are many of those blown calls. And that's one key contributor on why the Raptors are really getting so many points is because they're really just good at drawing those fouls. Um, but on the other hand, you know, besides fouls, um, you know, compares to game compared to games one and two in games three and four, the Raptors were shooting very efficient at the three compared to the Boston where their three point percentage completely plummeted. Um, they outscored um, Boston in every in games three and four in the second half. They outscored Boston, uh, you know. At one point in Game Three, they outscored Boston forty to twenty-five, and in Game Four, they outscored Boston, uh, you know, uh, forty-five to twenty-seven. So they're scoring double the amount of points that they are scoring in the second half than they are the first half, and that just shows that this team is very, very good at rallying from being down. They have a very good leader, uh, Nick Nurse, very good head coach. Uh, won the championship, knows what he's doing. He's a very smart man. Um, these guys are just really young, and they have a great leader, and they're really just able to band together to, ad- you know, to get over any adversity in these playoffs. And I think that really just gives them advantage over the Boston Celtics in this series. Um, Boston seems to be very dysfunctional. Come late game. Uh, down the stretch, they really seem to get dysfunctional and really start to lose their focus and. That's the one reason why I think I think uh, you know Toronto can really pull an upset against this Boston team. Um, the series is tied two two, uh, so anything can happen at this point. Um, keys really the keys really for Boston to win this series are they really need to stop uh, being ultra aggressive on the perimeter and causing fouls because the worst thing you can do is foul a three point shooter when they're shooting a three. Because you lose either way, either you're going, either you're going to foul them and they make that shot and they get four points because they'll get that extra free throw, or they'll or they'll miss the shot and they're still going to get three free throws. And knowing that three point shooter, he's going to make those free throws because he knows that, you know, like he knows he can make them. Like there's, you know, there are some people in the NBA that if they know they can't make that shot, they won't take that shot. So if you know that, if they know that they can make that shot they're down to take three free throws because it's basically the same thing. They're going to get the three points no matter what, um, unless they do miss, which is very rare for some people, you know, especially on the Toronto team. They're very good at free throws. Um, same with Boston as well. And then in terms of, uh, you know, Toronto, in order to win this series, they really just got to keep on attacking the three-point line, and they really got to uh, attack at the rim uh, and really make use of their two bigs um, Mark Gasol fouled out in game four, you know, this evening, but, um, as long as he doesn't do that again, shouldn't really be a problem. Uh, he can guard the paint just as well as anybody else in the league. Um, and as long as they can attack the paint and really attack that three point line, because they're very starting to get hot. Um, they really can take over this series. Um, you know, my prediction is that, Toronto can win this series maybe in six games. If they can win the next two, that'd be great. Um, and, uh, you know, overall with these two series going on, I think uh, all these teams deserve the win. I think all these teams are fighting very, very hard. And, 
you know, it's going to be a great championship this year. There's going to be a lot of uh, adversity and there's going to be a lot of competition. Uh, so we'll just have to see, we'll have to see, uh, you know, we'll just have to see what's up. We'll have to see, you know, what goes on. Um, that's it for the night, guys. Stay safe, everybody out there. And keep playing, boys. Peace out.